0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian hearts and today we are trying to set you all up for more Week 16 Championship Sunday success. I have a very special guest. I got 10 questions I want to go through with him. Some relate to Week 16, some don't. You know, we've, uh, ch- we've gone through every game already. Check out the Wednesday edition of the podcast for that. Also, be sure to check out pff.com for all of your fantasy football needs. But without further ado, we are here for the main event. Joining me now, NFL writer for Roto World slash NBC Sports, one of the best pure tweeters in the game. We always talk about, you know, a good ball carrier pure runner this is one of the best pure tweeters in the game you can follow him on twitter at roto pat patrick Daughtery. pat
1: happy week 16 man what's up dude and for, that's high praise coming from the best pure tweeter in oh. the game of ian Harditz. and but by the way this is the first time i've ever met ian for those listening to the podcast we don't we don't know each other at all. We've never worked together. Uh, it's a great uh, Christmas time reunion. For, uh,
0: coming in hard, coming in yeah. hard with lies early. Pat, <laughs> Pat and I go back. Uh, it's funny. Uh, he's, he brought it up at one point when we were having drinks. And you said that, you know, you think you kind of think in tweets more or less. So when Twitter came along, I was just like, all right, perfect. I, I've had a similar thought process, man, particularly with how much
1: damn time we spend on this thing. But sometimes, you know, it just comes to you and you to spur it out there that's really funny that you remember that yeah because i truly for better or worse i thought in tweets before twitter even existed Uh, so when twitter existed i was kind of like doomed to become my primary medium you know i'm supposed to be a writer but really in reality i'm a tweeter and yeah i think in 140 to 280 characters and uh yeah, I was doing that well before the, the app even existed.
0: That's always a thing, man. Someone's I'm like, oh, I love you on Twitter. I was like, well, do you like, you know, the five articles I do every week or all the podcasts? i never read that. that, do? that yeah. but, you know. <laughs> You're really good in 60 characters or less, man. Yeah, yeah. I, all right, everyone. But as, as I said, I got 10 questions for Pat. We're just going to fly through them and, you know, hopefully give you some week 16 goodness and maybe have a good time along the way. So without further ado, let's get after it. Pat. Saints never had the Chiefs seriously in danger in Week 15. The offense was like a shell of itself. Generally, at one point, Drew Brees was seven of 24, just ridiculous. We've seen things collapse in past Januarys against this very Vikings defense when Brees has been forced to try to open things up downfield. Not the same, you know, caliber defense from Mike Zimmer and company this year. But in general, do you think this 2020 Saints offense has what it takes to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? Because you look at the NFC, it's still pretty wide open.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's weird with the Saints. So like last, so you know they're they're looking discombobulated now, like the worst possible time. Whereas like last year, so that had kind of become like an end of season meme with the Saints in like the pat over the past three or four years. But like last year, going to the playoffs, they looked like a well oiled machine. You know, we we're like, oh no, late fade from Drew Brees this year, and then yeah, this this horrible, horrible or a wild card game against the you know being the thirteen and three wild card was a, uh, quite a bad break <laughs> for the Saints last year. But I mean, this year, I mean this style of offense has like, so we, when you don't have the deep passing, it's like, you're so little margin for error. And yeah, like if you fall behind early in the game and like, who's like the saints deep threat right now, like Traquan Smith is like the deep threat, Jared cook, supposed to be uh, Emmanuel Sanders, but not really. He's like like, okay, it's like shockingly okay at that, still. By the way, Emmanuel Sanders is like such an underrated baller, yeah. yeah. But like, it's like Jared Cook is going in the playoffs as your deep threat. And you know, even if Michael Thomas actually makes a back for the playoffs, like so few reps between them this year, like not even in the offseason, you know, and like no practice reps together all season, maybe that mind meld just doesn't go away. But and like, not to mention, like the 45 broken ribs appeared to still be an issue last (laughs) week. Um. It's hard. It just seems like, so like the Saints these past few years have done such a good job preparing for like every contingency, you know, having such a deep roster, having legit backups at every spot, but it just seems like maybe they're taking on too much water right now to really make a serious run I mean that could be famous last words
0: though you're right though they don't have like a true speed wide open. they got rid of Ted Ginn Jr. which okay he wasn't doing much I don't think you know that was already kind of a just at this point his career kind of a stretch to have him in that role anyway but Deontay Harris has been an IR now Traquan's hurt to your point Emmanuel Sanders still good I mean he was a better ball away from potentially you know taking the lead in the Super Bowl if Jimmy put it on him he's still getting open but you know it would be nice to see them do a little bit more to surround Drew Brees so much of it is just just, you know short five to ten yards downfield alvin kamara and then you take away Mal- michael thomas from that yeah it's tough to throw the ball around man we had little jordan humphrey out there making plays for crying out loud everyone's like, oh who the hell is that guy so yeah i'm with you i guess their defense you know it looks great but i it's mean a, a lot of defense a lot of defenses have looked good during the second half i guess i'm still worried when drew Brees has to face Rodgers or russell wilson on these guys i don't know i'm probably gonna be taking a different quarterback
1: yeah, it's a, it's like a cliche, obviously, but like they have to like the Saints are kind of like the team like they have to score on their opening drive. Like, they just cannot be playing like with a deficit with Drew Brees at this point. I feel like, and uh, so yeah, I mean they into I mean they just. Uh, very uh, original analysis here, they have to get back Michael Thomas. Like He yeah. actually has to be back for the
0: wild. No, but I think what you said earlier where it just makes things so much harder when they don't have these explosive plays. That's all it is. So when Drew Brees like he did three touchdowns last week, but usually the guy's leading the freaking league in completion rate and yards per attempt. You see what happens to the overall offense when things don't go quite as smooth as usual. All right, we got Saturday triple header, which one I absolutely love. <laughs> Matchups, not quite as hot though. Buccaneers, Lions, 49ers, Cardinals, and Dolphins. Dolphins traders again, not exactly loaded with star power, but hey, NFL football on Saturday, we will take it. I want to focus on the Dolphins for a second. The offense, all kinds of banged up, but Tua has really started to play better after a rough start. The defense has already been great all season. Squad, they're nine and five. The Dolphins, 2020, nine and five. Pat, the Dolphins are fun. How did this happen?
1: I mean, what so, like, I mean, Brian Flores, I don't know. So, Sean McVay came in and had an amazing first year as a head coach. This is Brian Flores' second year. Of course, they didn't make the playoffs the first year, but I'd be like, I had not seen a coach come in and kind of just like immediately change the mentality, like the way Brian Flores has, maybe since like Jim Harbaugh with the 49ers. Like, he just came in and it was just like a completely new mentality. And like, you saw that really start to take hold in the second half last season. And then it's carrying over to this season, you know, spite going to a rookie quarterback, you know, spite going away from a quarterback who was playing like so well in the first half of the season and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And like Tua, you know, Tua's seemingly very divisive on Twitter and uh, very divisive in the Road to World Slack chat. I'm not going to name names. Some of your former co workers <laughs> oh, no. uh, don't love Tua, but oh no. So he's, he's, sometimes he hasn't been easy on the eyes, but I mean, he's like a rookie quarterback, like playing within his means. Like, we, not a great supporting, at least not a healthy supporting cast right now. And he's, like, avoiding those turnovers that, like, you usually plague rookie. He's, like, doing – really going to get some boomer analysis, but, like, just really, like, doing, like, what it takes to win. Like, you know, he has no passing weapons last week, so he runs for two touchdowns. And, uh, you know, uh, Moxie, um, which is a real <laughs> thing. Uh, and it's just Brian Flores, like, setting the tone like very few coaches do. And Tua uh, just kind of being like unusually poised for a rookie. I really hope they make the playoff. It's like what, like a thirty-three percent chance or something they're like a team I really really want to want to get in I'm surprised it's that
0: low I got to check the uh playoff win probabilities but yeah you always hate when one of these double digit win teams somehow doesn't manage to find their way in there but yeah look I understand the divisiveness at least to start I mean when he was out there it was pure game manager I mean you know he, he gets a win over the Rams when he was pretty much you know a bad thing for the entire team but I think once he's come back from that injury Fitz came in against the Jets you know all right beats the Bengals who cares but staying in that Chiefs game with no weapons and then proceeding to at least to your point move the ball against the Patriots you have one bad end zone interception but other than that pretty good I mean I'm just excited to see what he can be moving forward because I feel like you look at this particularly this banged up form of the Dolphins offense like it's no better than what Joe Burrow is dealing with with the Bengals obviously the Bengals defense, Bengals defense much worse than the Dolphins one but I just feel like you know we had Herbert and Burrow we were all like hey top two rookie QBs by far Tua is at least starting to get his way into that conversation, particularly in 2021 and beyond once they can hopefully refill this squad. Cause you would think in this offseason, wide receiver, offensive line, like the defense is almost already where it needs to be. They're going to build around Tua this off season.
1: Yeah. And it's so exciting. Cause like you said, it's been kind of game manager but like, so he's, his skill, you know, one of his main strengths is the big plays, which we haven't really seen yet. And like, if he's establishing that floor, of like he can at least manage games at the NFL level with like a very limited supporting cast, like the big plays are going to come at some point. So he's like checking the easy boxes, like getting that settled as a rookie, and then hopefully the rest develops as a sophomore.
0: And look, I'm a sucker for someone like Drew Locke that, okay, he might make five make, boneheaded big plays. same. <laughs> <laughs> might make five boneheaded plays, but it'll make two or three throws. And you're like, holy crap, how do you do that? Like two might not be making those throws, but the fact, like you said, he's not having these backbreaking turnovers so far. Great sign for the future. All right. This one's strictly fantasy football, Pat. 2021 fantasy season. Right now, what QBs would you rank ahead of Lamar Jackson in your basic one QB, 12-team redraft?
1: Well, obviously, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Maybe, no, no. (laughs) Maybe by week 17, that'll be obvious. Uh, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, for sure. The only truly for sure. And then maybe Kyler Murray, probably Kyler Murray, you know, who's kind of like the poor man's Mahomes and the poor man's Lamar Jackson, like mixed together. I like that. So just like the unstoppable force, basically. So Mahomes, for sure. Probably Kyler. Maybe Josh Allen, and then is there anyone else you would throw in that mix? I mean, Lamar is like all the way, the fact that Lamar is doing this and still, you know, having major regression as a passer, like, you know, just not having a good passing season and still, you know, out here winning weeks and fantasy now when it matters most, like, just so we know that like, he's missing too many easy throws, but like, please get the man like a legit, like number two receiver. And it's like, put him in a slightly, but I mean, I, a lot of these mistakes are like unforced. Like you can't really blame him on anyone else, but yeah. he still needs a better receiver core. And like, it's not reaching 2019's heights, but I mean, 2020, like this is still like truly elite fantasy stuff. And, I mean, at at most, you're going to have two or three quarterbacks going ahead of him
0: next year. It is unfortunate that they could not do more to get him a true number one wide receiver. We heard the Antonio Brown whispers, but you look at Josh Allen getting Stephon Diggs, look at Kyler getting DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Baker getting OBJ a couple years ago. If that didn't work out, you know, we like the premise behind it. And I think you're right, man. I would go Mahomes, Kyler, because Kyler is more or less when he's running, he's Lamar with like a higher passing ceiling. Uh, We laugh about Jalen Hurts, man, but if he is going to run the ball 12 to 15, times with that he's at least going to be he's not going to probably crack top 10 but he will probably be one of those later on guys we are prioritizing I guess the question you know the Watson Russell Wilson Justin Herbert at what point do we kind of draw the line because I agree with you Mahomes is the only guy but I feel like more so than past years, we do kind of have a group of guys where at the end of the day probably just take the ones that
1: run the ball the most yeah I mean I think we're seeing more than ever like uh we're seeing like for the first time like a truly clear separation of the running quarterbacks from the rest of the pack you know like a lot of times like they were just kind of too volatile and like they would like sprinkle in and kind of like like fight for top five value but like i feel like the past year or two man, we're like seeing like a changing of the guard basically where if you're not running like you basically have to be like aaron roger yeah. to get in the top five like you have to be like a true I mean, not that mahomes runs a ton but he runs enough like if you're not like like a Mahomes or Rogers level passer, like you're going to have a very hard time getting in the top five if you're not a dual threat.
0: I don't think late-round QB is dead, but particularly in 2QB Superflex, if you can't find a way to come away with one of these top dogs, it's going to be hard to keep up sometimes. You just look at the all-time, you know, single-season fantasy points per game more than ever. I think it's like three or four of the top eight seasons ever have come in the past two years. People are putting up numbers in today's NFL. Got to adjust accordingly. The season is in full swing, and the action is still unfolding, so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so many storylines in both professional and collegiate sports, this is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this, people. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right, you bet. They cover with risk-free Sunday betting. Additionally, this weekend, there is plenty of action to get on, so head to the app now to start making it rain. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odds, odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for your deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right. You bet and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code PFF during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Alright, I was writing up my backfield article yesterday and just found myself gushing over J.D. McKissick's chance to ball out against the Panthers. And I kind of stopped and I was like... <laughs> what the hell am I writing about? Like 2020, this whole whole year has obviously been bonkers, particularly this fantasy. And I shouldn't say particularly, but this fantasy and NFL season has also been awfully weird compared to your normal season. Pat, what has been your favorite random fantasy-related storyline of this wacky year?
1: that was a really good, you're like, okay, maybe it wasn't that weird compared to the normal year. Right. (laughs) Let's not go too far Maybe some years you could say that in 2020, (laughs) you probably can't. I mean, there are so many. Uh, I had a few, like, That I was going to go with, like Deontay Johnson becoming a compiler, I thought was weird. Uh, Corey Davis back from the dead, you know, that's great. James Robinson, you know, Alfred Morrison, hardcore, like on a terrible team, like an undrafted rookie coming out, you know, blowing by a thousand yards from scrimmage. But I have to say, it is Nelson Aguilar becoming a team's number one receiver. Like Nelson Aguilar, like becoming the number one receiver for Derek Carr just out of nowhere, like, you know, a guy that you're like, is this guy even going to make the team, you know, over the summer? I think his contract probably said that he was going to make the team, but you does Nelson Aguilar being like left for dead, you know, literally becoming a meme last year from like the catching babies guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then just kind of bouncing back. I'm not saying he's a good number one receiver or like he should be a number one receiver, but Nelson Aguilar, like reviving his career with Derek Carr of all people is probably my favorite, like weird 2020 storyline.
0: He's played well enough, man. I, I had to hype up. Derek Carr on here for like months because he was finally playing well and giving us something. And actually for some reason, Nelson Aguilar gave Carr the confidence to start throwing downfield. I'm sure Ruggs being out there too, but yeah, man, that is a good one. And yeah, a year after Brashad Perryman kind of starts to re himself, you know, it's okay for NFL players to get better as they go on just because they don't succeed in one place doesn't mean they can't go somewhere else and play well. But yes, that one came out of absolute nowhere. Uh, you mentioned mine. I think it is Corey Davis uh, just yeah, really dude. breaking out because, you know, I got this tweet and i I have it up right now. Um, it was in Week One, AJ. They are playing the Broncos, and Davis was having a great game. AJ Brown, not so much. I was kind of tilted about it. And at shout out at Dynasty Burner, they respond in, on September Fourteenth. Imagine not knowing that Corey Davis is an anagram for COVID year, and the universe is aligned for his breakout. Couldn't be me. Oh my goodness! The dude freaking called it, and yeah, it's just been that sort of year. Nelson Aguilar, Corey Davis, all sorts of dudes bawling the hell out. All right, Pat. Nine teams the NFL, double-digit wins. Chiefs have the best point differential at plus 125. Bills second to worst at plus 67. And then we have the Browns at minus six. Man, that's going to be a sheesh for me. Even if we want to be nice, which we don't have to be. It goes against math. Let's take away their 32 and 31-point losses to the Ravens and Steelers. I don't know why we do that, but let's do the favor. That leaves them at plus 58. They're still 12. Baker's balling. But, man, do you have any faith in this Brown squad actually making noise in January? Or is this just a good story?
1: That's some real Chargers and Texans energy there, you know, coming in at the end of the year, like six games over 500 with a sub uh, point, neg- with a negative point differential. And I guess I will say, so I like two points to make about the Browns, like the weird point differential can happen with a team like the Browns who was run heavy in 2020. It's like that kind of style of offense. When you get behind early, it can really snowball. Like you said, those two huge losses. So it can be kind of anomaly, an anomaly, like the problem is, yeah, in 2020, when you go into the playoffs, as they run the ball, stop the run team, like talk about like no margin for error. Like it can still work. I mean, we saw it kind of work with the not kind of. We saw it work with the Titans last year. Or So it's not too. like a yeah. completely unviable formula. But yeah, like if the brand, and it's tough too because like the Baker Mayfield fatal flaw. You know, Baker Mayfield struggling. Its pressure has not gone away. So talk about the Saints, uh, you know, with the way they're constituted, kind of needing a team that has to take a lead. Like the Browns are like toast in the postseason. Like if they don't take like an early lead or if they fall behind like more than a touchdown because then you can pin your ears back against Baker Mayfield, tee off on the guy who's terrible against pressure and like r- doesn't matter. Like r- your run game doesn't matter. Stopping their run doesn't matter. So like they're the team, like more than anyone, like they have to have things going, go to script in the postseason. Otherwise they just, Like, they're not going to be able to adjust on the fly, you know, like a Chiefs or a Packers. Like, even maybe Drew Brees has, like, a final Houdini act. So, like, if they can't do their game plan in January, I mean, they're going to be
0: one and done yeah people it's not just that baker struggles under pressure he goes from being a legit very good quarterback to awful 35th among 39 qualified qbs in qb rating two touchdowns versus four interceptions when he's kept clean he's ninth in qb rating 23 touchdowns versus four (laughs) interceptions yeah i mean we see it like the guy looks awesome for stretches just not quite so awesome when things break down he's facing the jets this week i'm sure things are gonna be fine there where do you have baker ranked just for week 16 uh in particular
1: Oh my God. So like, I kept fading this over and over and me over too. again. i like, I'm like, they're just going to keep running. Like he's QB 22, QB 23 this week. I finally gave in. I have him like a QB 13 ish, like in that QB 12 to 14 range, which does not make me feel great. You know, because certainly it seems like the Browns will run all over the jets. But I, uh, so when you get like too much into projecting like game flow, or, like how this team is going to win, you can kind of come to some bad out. So I just like the quarterback has been playing well lately against the horrible defense. I've got right on the QB one, two borderline.
0: No, I'm right there with you. I got him as my QB 11. They have finally been leaning a little more into the passing game. I mean, only threw the ball more than 30 times twice in weeks, one through 12. He has reached in three consecutive games. So we'll see Baker and yeah, him and breeze, particularly some of these offenses have a little more margin for error than other ones. All right. Texans. Four and 10, you know, mentioned your Texans Chargers energy. I'm with you, man. Free Deshaun Watson. This dude is having the best season of his career by pretty much any metric. DeAndre Hawkins is with the Cardinals. Will Fuller's been suspended for weeks. I mean, Brandon Cook's been a little bit in and out. Like, it's ridiculous. But let's say the NFL, they do a Madden style. I know you're a Madden guy. They do a Madden (laughs) style fantasy draft. All the teams empty out their rosters. We know Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback going, but – would you take another quarterback ahead of Deshaun Watson independent of current contracts to lead a situation neutral team in the future?
1: Yeah. I became a Madden guy because of the COVID. So I guess uh, thanks coronavirus, <laughs> I needed something to do in the spring and then I officially became a Madden guy. It's been amazing for the tweets. So there's two tweeters, you know, I can't complain. Uh, who I take ahead of Deshaun? I mean, Taysom Hill, obviously. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> I know I got to stop making jokes, but uh, so Deshaun Watson, I mean the dude seriously playing at an MVP level. I mean, He's completing 70% of his passes and averaging almost nine yards per attempt. So it's not just like empty efficiency. And he's doing that. I think he, he has seven turnovers and 14 games and like doing that for like a team that's always playing from behind, you know, that was remaking it's supporting cast in the fly. That's been losing dudes. Like you said, I mean, he's playing football. It's like at a level that's like rarely reached. And it's really a shame, you know, that he won't get any, obviously he's not the most valuable player, but he should have at least been in the discussion, and it's just a huge shame, and I mean, you take Kyler, or you you, you take Mahomes ahead of uh, Deshaun Watson, like in a a fantasy draft, but I mean, is there anyone else? I mean, maybe Kyler, Russell Wilson, maybe a little too old, and Justin Herbert, just just one year, so maybe that's too aggressive, and like, Deshaun was already elite, but this year, he seems like, yeah, he's taking like that next step forward into like top two or three elite, and yeah, I don't see how like a redraft he would fall out of like the top three, basically. It's
0: situations like this, I make it tough to expect guys like Sam Darnold and, you know, the guys that haven't had no success, but their roster sucks around them. But then you see Deshaun Watson, who's in a very similar situation, making the most out of it. You look at the Texans since Bill O'Brien got fired after week four, they smacked the Jaguars, they lose to the Titans and OT, OT fine. They, you know, suffer big losses against the Packers and the Bears when, you know, they didn't have anyone. Other than that, though, they beat the Jaguars, three-point loss to the Browns, beat the Patriots, beat the Lions, and two games against the Colts where Deshaun gets them in. Inside the five yard line only for the center and then Kiki Cootie to fumble the ball. He is so freaking good. And to your point, it's not like these are empty stats. This dude is like the opposite of empty stats. Everything is so hard. And I do think that without Hopkins and without um, even Fuller a little bit, like we're seeing almost like a Baker Mayfield effect. I think he, you know, is more willing to take his first read. I'm, I'm talking about Baker without OBJ. Cause obviously you want OBJ. You want hop any NFL team wants these guys in their offense. But I think sometimes when you have that one number one wide receiver that does want 180, 190 targets, you tend to force feed him a little bit. Have you noticed that as well?
1: Yeah. I mean a little And too. Like yeah, the dude, he's like, if Chad Hanson's open, then I have no choice. Like I got to throw to Chad Hansen at this point. I kind of <laughs> wish he would do it a little more with Jordan Aikens. Yeah. Uh, few times in fantasy that's been a kind of a bummer but yeah i mean i hadn't even really thought It's absolutely true like he is just like uh, i'm sure like you said he would probably still be better if you had deandre hopkins but yeah i mean this is just like showing his like true greatness The the dudes are out and he's just taking what's there and it's still like two times in three games they were a a red zone turnover away from like beating or tying the colts without will fuller and just an extremely high level of football
0: And for those of uh, you out there like myself that are still tilting about the Will Fuller suspension, they have the Bengals at home this week. It would have been just a cherry on top of a wide receiver one season. (laughs) Hopefully, Deshaun and company can get it done in his absence. All right, Pat. Rookie RB has been breaking out all over the place recently. Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, now he's hurt. But J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon, just kidding. The Packers hate him. Uh, James Robinson, he's hurt. DeAndre Swift. We'll even throw just the whole class. Clyde Emmerzolaire and Antonio Gibson in there, who are obviously banged up as well. Which 2020 rookie RB do you ultimately think holds the highest ADP come next August?
1: I feel like it'll probably be Jonathan Taylor. Am am I wrong? Like his will probably remain a run committed offense is showing juice at the right time has like shown more than expected as a pass catcher, probably. And like this still, despite like, uh, you wouldn't have like expected to hear this like a month ago, but pretty much everything according is going according to plan with Jonathan Taylor. So He's probably my best guess, but I mean, honestly, I think Antonio Gibson might end up the number two because, like, he's already like done the hard part. You know, he was like a receiver, and like he's showing, like, yeah, I can run between the tackles. Just the receiving that, for some reason, that was coming on slower than expected. I, Antonio Gibson, you can already just like see it coming from a mile away. Especially depending, Washington like upgrades a quarterback, like, he is going to just be like one of those people like talked about like every single day of the <laughs> offseason and deandre swift maybe it's just like we don't know like uh you know who the coach is going to be there cam Akers, it was like just short enough that it's hard to really especially with like the mcveigh agains yeah. i guess in the backfield <laughs> but jonathan taylor seems like a good bet for number one to and like honestly yeah i feel like antonio gibson right now at least be who i'd be the second most comfortable take because even jk dobbins they probably want this to remain a multiple back backfield uh, the quarterbacks the number one running back of course for the ravens and uh so I don't know. It's just such a good group. It's gonna be like a super fun off season debate. And even
0: James Robinson, man, I there's probably totally. going to be a coaching switch up. and I would be shocked if they make it through the draft and free agency without adding some sort of higher-end competition. But if they don't, like he has the role that we're hoping all these guys can get. I agree the Acres shelf life, just a little too short. He's probably going to slip down a little bit. And yeah, Antonio Gibson probably has the highest like CMC workload ceiling. Listen to Ron Barry, He's called freaking every other running back he's had. Christian McCaffrey-esque seemingly over this past season, except Peyton Barber. Ron understands that even Even that. Ron can't go that far <laughs> <laughs> that's where Ron draws the line at in Barber but yeah man with Jonathan Taylor like Marlon Mack should be gone Jordan Wilkins played zero offensive snaps for the first time all season last week my only concern is that I mean Naeem Hines is still going to be the pass down back, even though Taylor has been fine as a receiver all year. The ceiling says Antonio Gibson, but you know, sometimes we got to consider, you know, ceiling versus, you know, almost like the Derrick Henry like thing. Okay. You're not getting the targets, but 300 rush attempts and a better offense. That goes a long way too.
1: Yeah, it's looking like hopefully a very – we've had some famous last words multiple times on Jonathan Taylor, but (laughs) looking like it'll be like a very, very, very secure floor for Jonathan Taylor.
0: He has been playing so much better. Not just getting the volume and like falling to the end zone, but you just look at the broken tackles numbers and something and just watching the freaking game, you know. Everyone out there hate on Alex, watch the game. The guy's playing better.
1: His first move has just like looked so much quicker the past few weeks. It's like kind of like the classic, like he's playing the game faster.
0: He was starting to get some Trent Richardson comps. We were I starting know. to get those, uh, you know, <laughs> frozen screenshots where it's like, how do you miss this whole man? No longer. Taylor has been playing some great football. Three more questions for you, Pat. So the Steelers have lost three straight. Absolutely hilarious. Not for them or their fans, but you know, for us and everyone else. So anyway, big Ben, the passing game, they look broken. They haven't established the run really all year. The defense is starting to look a little bit less elite due to some injuries. Pat, do you think the Steelers have it in them to, you know, keep this sinking ship afloat and turn things around? Or are we just looking at, you know, a first round exit?
1: Yeah, I mean, so we were like, where do they turn? Because even before like big Ben's collapse, yeah, we had the whole collapse of the running game where they basically just like fully abandoned the run, which, <laughs> you know, normally we would cheer in <laughs> fantasy, but, uh, it was not did not provide better passing or and just like lowered the passing efficiency even more and it's like ben like in 2018 like the last season he was fully healthy um or no 20 sorry 2017 his average intended air air yards were 9.2 then in 2018 his last full season they went down to 7.7 and then this year you know post tommy john or whatever i don't think it was tommy john He's barely at seven. Like his average intended air yards are only ahead of three full time starters right now, and like you can see it going down before your very eyes the past few weeks. Like, this seems like maybe his arm is just shot right now, and or maybe he's getting in like Cam Newton territory. Like I said, just like Cam's had a bunch of shoulder injuries, but maybe Ben is just getting to the point where like there's no like amount of surgeries that could like bring his arm back at this age. And yeah, I mean Ben Roethlisberger, he's he seems like especially with this supporting cast maybe he could Houdini and figure it out but yeah I mean the quarterback we've seen over the past like this collapse has come with games with the Jaguars and the Bengals you know so it's not just like it was like schedule related or so it's It's very hard right now to see light at the end of the tunnel for the Steelers.
0: Like he's not even completing 60% of his passes. He's not throwing it downfield anymore. It's It's like what we talked, we opened up this show talking about Drew Brees and the playoffs and some of these issues. Like the Steelers have guys that can get behind the defense. Claypool, like the fact that they have gone back and forth in this guy throughout the year is just maddening because I think he's looked like their best wide receiver all season long. And I'm not a Deontay hater, but we can't just keep ignoring like the league high in drops. Like I, we can say that, okay, drops and fans, don't matter, but they matter. That's your job in real life. You can't be consistently dropping the ball and us be like, yeah, you know, you take away the drops, and he's a great player. They do go into it. I guess my only other question: I'm with you on just I don't know what you know what ace they have in the hole or whatever for 2020. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's got to be gone, right? I mean, it seemed like two years ago we were talking almost like guaranteed contract extension, but man, I don't know how anyone can sign, particularly the Steelers, sign this guy as a legit wide receiver one after what he's done really the past two years. I know he's playing hurt, but man, it's getting bad.
1: Yeah, I became fully convinced he was done in Pittsburgh in the Bills game when yeah. Taron Johnson had that interception and Juju was trying to chase him down and just got like blown away. <laughs> like I mean, listen, I mean, I know corners are probably still the fastest missions in the field, but like you should not be getting like, blown away yeah. as like a supposed number 1 receiver by Taron Johnson and yet yeah, Juju just seems good as gone. And, yeah, I glad you hit on all the points of this wide receiver core like well, why did they decide Deontay Johnson as a compiler? I, d- I just don't, I thought he was supposed to be like the shot play guy. And like this, I did not ever envision Deontay Johnson as like a 10 to 12 target player. And like Chase Claypool, like looks like the next Calvin Johnson sometimes. Like why they've decided to not involve him. And like when he was like cashing in goal line carries, uh their chase claypool usage has made absolutely zero sense
0: it's they throw the ball down he's easily their best downfield guy and okay, i would maybe give Deontay like just in terms of who is the best with the ball in their hands it's maybe Deontay, but man like just leaving last week they threw claypool a freaking screen at the line of scrimmage and he breaks a tackle and goes like 30 yards he did against the texans like put the ball in guy's hands mapletron everybody let's, know, let's make it seriously. happen
1: get with the program
0: all right, Pat. Eagles versus the Cowboys this week. We got two potential, wait for it, league winners in Jalen Hurts and Tony Pollard. Talk to me about where you have these guys ranked this week and how confident you are going back to the well. Let's assume Ezekiel Elliott is out because if he comes back in, it's going to be very muddled. Cowboys have 90 million reasons not to fully give the backfield to Pollard. So assuming Zeke is out, give me your thoughts on Hurts and Pollard.
1: So Hurts, I mean, I started out low, quote unquote, like QB7 or QB8 and you know, I'm up to QB five now. And it's like what he did against, it's like the Cardinals have like been like anything, like a weird defense, like not like a super talented defense, but like anything, but like a smash spot in fantasy. And, you know, he turned them into like one of the five or six biggest fantasy performances of the year. And like, if the Cardinals aren't a smash spot, uh, the Dallas Cowboys folks (laughs) are a smash spot. And like just the game coming to him very quickly, I mean, progressing, like you can see like the progression, like before your eyes. The bat comes in, makes a few good big plays in relief. Then the first start, kind of finding his footing, has the hundred yard days as a rusher, makes a few plays as a passer. And then last week, it was just like all bets are off and like yeah. doing everything already. And like maybe even if it's a mirage, it's probably not going to be a mirage against the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> so hard to leave Jalen Hurts out of your top five. And Tony Pollard, I mean, I've got him in the top ten. Uh, I mean, I, to me. It was a tough decision to make, but, like, at this point, I feel like you get him ahead of Josh Jacobs, you get him ahead of Chris Carson, you get him ahead of Mike Davis. Like, there's going to be just enough, like, three-down usage and enough, like, big play opportunities, enough, enough touchdown opportunities. That I'd, you know, RB10 might be a bit conservative for Tony Pollard, really.
0: Yeah, with Hertz, look, we knew he had the rushing ability to be a locked-in QB1, and now that we know he has 300, three-touchdown passing upside, yeah, easy top five. And with Pollard, like, I think people are almost – thinking that us fantasy analysts are going too far in on him just being this really talented backup running back. He is, but it's his workload. That's why he's a top 10 RB 90% snaps last week. I mean, that was tied for first in the league, uh, 20 carries and nine targets. Like you give this workload to anyone other than maybe like 2019 Kalen Balaj, and we are all getting behind it in a major way. So yes, Tony Pollard is talented, but it's also just this workload that is impossible to ignore in fancy land. Last one for you, Pat. Josh Allen has the Bills on top of the AFC East, playing better than ever. Up next, the Monday night matchup against Bill Belichick and Evil Empire. You look at the line, it opened up as like Bills, minus four, minus four and a half. It's ballooned up to seven. People, I think, are done trusting uh, the Patriots. And you know, you look, they're eliminated. Buffalo's just freaking balling right now. Do you see any reason at this point, even though we're facing the Patriots, to not trust Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, even Cole Beasley? Like, you know, they've gotten us here. I know we looked at this uh, schedule for Allen back in August and we said, it's going to be tough. At the end, but he's over, he's passed at flying colors. Still got to pass the Patriots test, but man, I think it's time.
1: Yeah. I mean, Stefan Gilmore, too. I'm assuming being out probably yeah, puts is. the matchup over the top, but like, yeah, this is like Josh Allen's like final boss, basically, because <laughs> he's like never had a good start. I think quite literally never had a good start against Bill Belichick. Uh, they won earlier this year, but he had 11 completions in that game. And even with the Patriots collapsing this year, like, the Bill Belichick like fries young quarterbacks meme has still been true. Like uh, very few good performances against the Patriots by young quarterbacks this season. But again, it would be nice if he had one good career start against Bill Belichick, (laughs) but I mean, he's just too, like talk about a guy kicking it up another game. I mean, what he did against the Steelers two weeks ago, like he just seems like like he's fully arrived. The Patriots, Stephon Gilmore is probably the knockout blow. And I mean, I have Josh Allen in the top five or six this weekend. It's just like, I searched for reasons for concern, but they're all just contrived, basically. Like, I think this is happening.
0: I do hear you, though, man. You look at his games. He has, um, okay, he went 11 for 18 in week 8, 154 yards. That was his most accurate game. He went 13 for 26, 13 (laughs) for 28, and 20 for 41 in his previous three appearances, you know. Hey, they just ran the ball on him in week eight. Maybe they do that again. I do think, though, to your point, not having Gilmore in there. Who who can guard Stefan Diggs on the Patriots? Or let alone yeah. any other defense. Don't be afraid to go back to well with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, all those bills that have gotten you to the fantasy championship in the first place. Pat, that's gonna do it, man. Thank you for the time. What uh what do you guys shout out over there at uh, you know, Roto World and NBC Sports?
1: Well, you know, we have the only rankings column in the game. We don't have- <laughs> Got my rankings, got our podcast, do my Sunday read. I do all, you know, the cool stuff that everyone else does, but hopefully do it well. So yeah, check out my ranks. Check out our, our the, the the two best pods in the game, PFF and Rotoworld. We won't rank them, so check those out. And uh, yeah, then just get us to the off season, you know. Uh, it's been a long year. We've been grinding, uh, maybe. you Actually, you're one of the only people I know who doesn't ever need a break, uh, so you don't care at all. Ian does not need a break, but yeah. Check out Roto World, uh, a lot of great
0: stuff. I appreciate, it, man. You just gotta be uh, productive. I, I hate when people say, you know, "Oh, look at my uh, eight thousand word article on this." Like, if you could write the article in hundred words, just do that, or you know, be yes. be very productive in two hours instead of uh, you know coasting through four or five. But that's a story for another day. Yes, check out the Roto World Football Podcast. Truly, some of the best fantasy football analysis and just banter between you, uh, you know, John Hayden. Love all you guys and w- what you're doing over there. I miss you guys, man. It was good to uh, catch up here. Thank you again for coming on. That's Pat. Follow him on Twitter. Like I said, even though he, uh, you know, was giving me some props, truly best tweeter in the game at Roto Pat. He's Patrick Daugherty. I'm Ian Hart This has been the fan- PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And thank you for tuning in. As always, everybody, truly best of luck in your week 16 fantasy football championships. I hope you come out on top. And yes, yeah, so that's going to do it. For Pat, I'm Ian. Take care, everybody.